To another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and of course, the funny stuff. The reason you come back week after week. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. And Miss Brittany Braubacher is also here. Hello. There was like a dramatic pause was before you said hi. Oh, well, that's what it I'm might all just about. be lag. <laughs> It could be lag. It might, it might have just been lag. Let's real talk, shall we? Or maybe I was um, just going for a dramatic effect because this is our last regular show of the year, <gasps> ladies. Oh my goodness. Isn't that crazy? What I number was is just this? 84, episode 84. Mm-hmm. So welcome everybody, whether this is your first episode or your 84th episode. We're so glad that you're here. I was going through some files on our studio PC looking at our archive files. Oh boy. And it blew my mind just how many gigabytes of video exists of what's good games. <laughs> <laughs> we have a whole drive, just of us, just of our terabytes even. Yes, it was a lot. We've been doing this show for a while now. It sometimes is lost on me that we've been going for 84 weeks. That's yeah. wild. Never missed an episode, though. That's right. Damn nope. right. We pride ourselves on that. Never mm-hmm. shall exactly. we. We have a very special episode coming for you guys next week. Of course, the What's Good Games Awards are back. Who will win Horsey of the Year? (laughs) Who will win Best Husbando? Well, you're going to have to (laughs) come back next Friday and find out. Speaking of next Friday, I've got a very special, long-awaited announcement to everybody. That's right. Bat Dad returns. So part of Amanda... We gotta find a husband. <laughs> do you have like your honey set aside for when your voice just goes to shit? I do have throat? honey. I'll okay. be okay. Don't worry about me or my voice. <laughs> okay, good. So, as some of you may be aware, we did an anniversary stream back in May, and one of our stretch goals was contingent um, if we hit it that Steimer would do. The conclusion of Dream Daddy, which is a fantastic dating sim that you can play on Steam. And she originally started this game using the voice of a bat dad because it's all about dads who are dating. And I, the dad that I made is Bruce Wayne. Right. It's, it's a hipster Bruce Wayne, which is why I use this stupid voice. <laughs> but voice. it's so wonderful. And we never had the conclusion of it. And we are still working on what our streaming plan is for 2019 but we wanted to make good on that promise so please join Steimer Friday December 28th at 10:30 a.m. Pacific time you can watch on twitch.tv/whatsgoodgames or youtube.com/whatsgoodgames to find out will bat dad find love yeah we at least got boinked once 
Well, that's yeah. good. That's a good start. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> even if we don't end up with love, we we had sex. Boink. That's all you <laughs> ask for. In that's a temporary comfort in our life. <laughs> so good. That's awesome. I do have a couple of other pieces of housekeeping. We are adding some new Patreon integrations for all of our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash what's good games so i've been doing some research we're preparing our announcements for next year and i discovered that if you link your youtube account with your patreon profile you get a special badge in the youtube comments which is really awesome and we want you guys to get that recognition so if you're like hey how come it's not showing up for me? Uh, please do go to your Patreon profile settings, and there is a section there where you can add in your YouTube channel. If you go ahead and fill that out, um, it will. If you, I believe, if you refresh your YouTube window, it might take like a, I don't know how long it will take to refresh, but it you should see it appear for you. But when I set this up, I noticed that only around ten percent of our patrons have their youtube linked to their patreon account so if you want to get that special patreon only badge in the youtube comments make sure you update your profile also i was lurking in the what's good games facebook fan page as i like to do sometimes (laughs) and i saw kayla from the community ask for a harry potter channel on discord well she didn't actually ask for it she said she was gonna start her own harry potter channel and then i said yo do you want me to start one in the official what's good games discord And she was like yeah so i did i also added a destiny 2 channel on our official discord as well again that's discord.gg slash what's good games we've got a lovely group of people over there some mods who are keeping everything tidy we have a couple channels we have an lfg channel if you're looking for people to play with we have just a general chat channel to talk about games music tv whatever you want so if you guys are interested in looking for a place to communicate with other members of what's good games and you don't have a facebook account or you don't use youtube comments patreon or twitter Uh, but you do have Discord, please do check that out. Discord.gg slash what's good games. Brittany, did you have any other housekeeping that you would like to add? I would. There's one little piece of housekeeping I would like to add to this wonderful conversation. It's that we have had issues with our show not populating on certain channels, and we do release a show every week. So if you don't see our show on your favorite podcast platform, go to whatsgoodgames.com slash podcasts, and we have at least a dozen different ways you can listen to our show. Because Google Play is no longer updating our page. And it's not just our show. It's a lot of other podcasts as well. So, But we are on the Google Podcast app. But Google Play is just like dead in the water. It's like six feet under. It's warm fodder. It is rotten. It is a zombie. It is dead. So, oh, wow. Wow. Okay. okay. I hope I got my point. Did I get my point across? Yeah. You did. Perfect. It real dead. It real dead. So yeah. So whatsgoodgames.com slash podcast. And you can listen to our shows that way as well. We're also on Spotify, which is a really easy way to listen as well. Boom. Boom. Boom goes the dynamite. All right. Enough with the housekeeping. Let's get into some news. And this week, it is brought to you by Robinhood, our fantastic sponsor for What's Good Games, bringing the episode for free to you on podcast services and YouTube.com slash What's Good Games. So we've talked about Robinhood before. They're an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. So they strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. It's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers like us to invest for the first time 
with true confidence. It's simple and intuitive with clear design and data presented in an easy to digest way. So one of the best things about the Robinhood app for people who are looking to get into the stock market is that there are no commission fees, which is fantastic. Other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade you make, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees, trade stocks, and keep all of your profits. Isn't that great? Isn't that all we really want is just to keep most of our money I think so. <laughs> yeah. One of the other things that Robinhood is really great at is the easy to understand charts and market data where you can place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can view stock collections like the 100 most popular. You can view specific categories like entertainment or social, social media or even video games. And they even have curated categories like female CEOs. Plus, there are analyst ratings for the buy, hold, sell for every stock on the platform which is awesome because this will help you learn more about the different categories that you can invest in. Because when I first downloaded the Robinhood app, I thought that I knew what I was doing, but it was very clear right away that I had no clue. And Robinhood made it really easy to learn about these different sectors of the market. So if you want to start dabbling in the stock market, try out Robinhood, and we are giving you guys a free stock just for being a listener of What's Good Games. You can get stocks like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. You have to go to whatsgood.robinhood.com to sign up today. That's whatsgood.robinhood.com dot com to sign up to get your free stock when i signed up i got a groupon stock and then it immediately made me want to go to groupon and buy stuff there you go isn't that weird how that works I don't know why. I just felt compelled. I was like I want to help it. Cuz you're like one hey, single I'm stock helping my stock. <laughs> yeah. I'm investing in a different way. Yeah, it's like I probably should just take that money and reinvest it in the market, but you know, I like shopping. It's a bad it's a bad habit. <laughs> All right, so one more time, if you guys are interested in checking out Robinhood, you want to get your free stock, go to whatsgood.robinhood.com. All right, so now it's time to talk about the video game news for the week. And it's you would think that this time of year it would be a little bit quieter, maybe slow down, but no. Nay. Quite a few stories Nay. on the docket this week. People Starting are bringing out with... their lawyers this holiday season. <laughs> oh my gosh, right? Tis the, the season to l- legislate? Nope, that's the litigate. Wrong word. Litigate, that's the word. <laughs> I know there was an L and a G and a T. Yeah, you're close. All right, Fresh Prince Star and Backpack Kid are suing Epic Games over allegedly stolen Fortnite dances. So I feel like this story just keeps growing every day that it goes on. Mm -hmm. So the original story, as written up by IGN, is Fresh Prince of Bel-Air star Alfonso Ribeiro has filed a lawsuit against Epic Games for allegedly copying his signature dance. According to TMZ, um, Ribeiro's lawsuit claims Fortnite's fresh emote is a direct copy of his famous Carlton dance from the hit sitcom The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Ribeiro's attorney told GMZ that Epic Games failed to ask his permission in creating the emote and has not compensated the actor. Ribeiro has also filed an identical suit against 2K Games, which makes the NBA 2K series of games. As GQ has pointed out, Ribeiro himself has claimed that Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark and Eddie Murphy's stand-up routine inspired the dance. Now, this isn't the first time that Fortnite has come under scrutiny for an emote. Scrubs actor Donald Faison recently said Fortnite jacked his poison dance for another one of the game's emotes. 
photos. Scrubs creator Bill Lawrence said that someone from Epic did reach out to him about using Faison's choreography. Recently, the rapper 2 Millie also filed suit against Fortnite for copying his dance, the Millie Rock. His lawsuit is asking for damages based on Epic's profits selling the emote. So there was an update to this story. Uh... Regarding Backpack Kid, per the Daily Mail, the 16-year-old Backpack Kid, Russell Horning, is suing Epic Games for using his move, The Floss, as an emote in the game. Now, though it's a one-time special reward made available in the Battle Pass Season 2, players can't actually purchase The Floss. The lawsuit has reportedly been filed by his mother on his behalf on Monday, seeking unspecified damages against Epic Games and Take-Two for its use in Fortnite and NBA 2K without permission or paying royalties. Horning and The Floss became famous of course after he posted videos of himself performing the dance on Instagram and reached a wider audience when he did the move during Katy Perry's performance of Swish Swish on SNL in 2017. Oh boy. This is real weird. I think the weirder one to me, I mean there's a lot of weird here, but the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air star is puzzling to me because you were an actor on a TV show. You don't own the content in that TV show. Right. That, which is why when you when you were talking about uh, Donald Faison like, yes, the showrunner would be the one to clear that. Not you, the actor, even though you performed it. You signed right. your shit away, man. Like, mm-hmm. that's usually what is done in those situations. I have a quote here from copyright lawyer regarding just that. He said he created and performed that dance while acting on a television show he was performer on. So it was likely, quote, work for hire that belongs to the show's producers. Right. Yes. Yeah, so if yeah. anybody's going to be suing, it should be the show's producers. Yes. So I also want to read, there's a, a really great thread from Mike Futter, who is a fantastic author and writer. His new book, The uh, Game Dev Budgeting Handbook, is out recently, just a couple of weeks ago. So he said, hey, everyone, this Fortnite dance stuff is relatively straightforward in the U.S., as much as subjective legal matters can be straightforward. <laughs> Page three, subhead one, individual movements or dance steps by themselves are not copyrightable. And then he links to a government um, copyright uh, website where it details the law. Of course, there are lawyers who will find ways to argue this, especially as Epic is a ripe target. This feels like a play to be part of some settlement, especially the backpack kids bomb thing. One of the most fascinating parts of my ethics and law class in undergrad was the relationship between the two concepts. Per my professor... The law is the ethical minimum. So when we talk about Fortnite, it's important to center the conversation. There's the legal question, can an attorney convince a judge that a single move may be too strung together, performed in repetition, meets the copyrightable standard for choreography? Then there's the ethical question, should Epic be using other people's recorded movement as the basis for in-game monetized animation? You can have one or both of these conversations, even at the same time, but you shouldn't conflate them. They are two different issues. Even if a judge feels that Epic violated its ethical responsibility, they might not be able to or willing to impose that opinion if the dances don't meet the threshold for copyright. I find the topic fascinating. I find its potential impact on the industry significant. Also, if you like my musings on video game business topics, I'm in the market for full-time work. Yeah, (laughs) he's great. So I was looking into this because I know nothing about this, but it's fascinating that we're seeing this pop up because the, oh gosh, what's the name of the dance? The one that we were just talking about, not the floss. floss? No. The Carlton? Carlton. Carlton? Because I was looking at all the games that Carlton is in, right? It's in Destiny. 
It's in Doom, <laughs> Team Fortress 2, Watch Dogs 2, Uncharted 4, Fortnite, NBA 2K18, Forza Horizon 4, Rift, Saints Row the Third, Guild Wars 2, League of Legends, Uncharted 3, and Destiny. Oh, it so, is in Guild Wars. I forgot. Yeah, that's the yeah. dance that my Norn does. <laughs> so I thought this was interesting. This is a quote from But Julie. you can't buy it. Right. Uh, here's a quote from Julia McDonald, founder of McDonald slash Selznick Associates, an agency that represents prominent choreographers such as Vincent Patterson and Tony Basil, says the theater union stage directors and choreographer society in certain prominent estates will shut you down over cases of dance move theft. But Hollywood choreographers who work on movies and TV shows never formed a union and have less clout for protecting their work. So, for example... In this one ruling in 1986 is Horgan versus Macmillan, a U.S. Court of Appeals ruled that photographers could not just publish images of well-known the Nutcracker moves without permission from choreographer George Balanchine's estate. Anyway, so what she's saying there is the theater and what are the like how that goes is that you can you cannot replicate those or use those for whatever use you want. You have to ask for permission. But obviously with Hollywood and TV shows, they don't have that stance. So mm-hmm. that's why it's like this weird line. It's interesting. And then you have Backpack Kid, who is none of those. Who in June was like, I'm just happy it's in there. And then his mom was like, oh, I just spoke to a, an attorney and I can get a lot of money from this. Maybe. they All all three of them have the same lawyer representing them. Right yeah. Now. And like the not, floss part yeah, is not surprising. It's like that dance existed before that kid did. Right. Like that's a move that people have done before. He Wait, was just the, the person. Yeah. He was just like the person to make it bigger. Right. He Popular. was just like the amplification. He was the lightning rod for the floss. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We talked about this earlier in the week on Games Daily. And of course, I got a lot of flack for it because people were like, oh, you know, Andrea Renee always being the corporate apologist because my stance was that. I mean, like, that's not shocking to me at all. Um, <laughs> my stance was that why are you going after Epic only? And I said, like, it just seems like a cash grab because Epic is making money. And, you know, since then, there a lot have supplementary details have come out, like Mike's thread and the thing that Brittany just read and, you know, more context has come out. And it certainly doesn't make sense to me that they would only sue Epic. I do appreciate the argument that they are trying to set a legal precedence for choreography being used as a microtransaction in video games without any financial compensation to the choreographer. I absolutely agree that if Epic Games, Activision, 2K, whoever is going to sell an emote in a game for real world money, that they should be giving a royalty split to the choreographer that they're taking the dance move from. I think that that's not that controversial. Yeah. But where it gets sticky, particularly with a dance like the floss, for example, in Fortnite, is that wasn't for sale as an individual dance. It was part of a reward package for the battle pass. And you can't buy that dance with real world money on its own. And so I think that's where it gets super hairy with some of these other dances across the spectrum of video games that they're being used in is like, where is the line? You know, what would that royalty agreement be? You know, how do you how are you going to do like back channel payments for games that have already become been come? you know, published, are you going to go back to every single game that it's in? Whose responsibility is it to prove all of that? You know, and then it just gets gross. And yeah. then, but then like to piggyback off that, like that's not the only level of weirdness going on here. Like you have to also then consider like what the courts are saying, like what technically qualifies as an actual dance choreographer right. versus like two moves. And then do you have to go all the way back and find the actual creator of said move? Or is now the person who made it famous 
the person who is now deemed the creator because like they like those are two different things so it's just like this is has too many levels for me to want to like touch it but um good luck lawyers that's your job (laughs) word yeah no thanks i wonder if epic's just gonna settle and just be like fuck it have just some money i feel like it would be bad if they did though because like then what like that sets a weird precedent for everybody else again because then now you're saying that moving forward it's not who made up the dance it's who made the dance famous it has like all these repercussions like trickle down things so i don't know that they can settle (laughs) like i think they need to figure out what the actual law is here and like draw some lines in the sand and officially in court maybe they can yeah that's a very good point steimer and I the the thing that I was mentioning on Games Daily earlier in the week was Epic has a massive legal team who loves to send cease and desist out. It's like all they do all day long. Um, So they can fight this in court from now until the end of time. I don't know if Alfonso and Backpack Kid can, you know, because that lawyer is going to want to get a payday eventually. And if it's looking more and more like it's not going to swing their way. You know, maybe you're right. Maybe Epic says we don't have to settle. Yep. And like it's I said, I do think I think the right move is to pay. Like if it is a known choreogra- choreographer, you pay them, you give them royalties, be the good guy. But yeah, it gets trickier when you get down to like who made like this dance floss. popular. Yeah. Yeah, yeah who exactly. Created this. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I don't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole. Nope. Peace. Indeed. Well, we'll keep an eye on it, as always, and we'll let you know if we get an update, but don't expect anything anytime soon, because, you know, courts and stuff move real slow. What a name, though, Backpack Kid. That's not going to age well. You know, he's, like, no. on a date. You know, I'm Backpack Kid. He's, like, 42. <laughs> oh, no. He's still dating at 42? Oh, poor Backpack oh, Kid. Oh, sad. Maybe he is. Maybe he had a first well, a name marriage like that. that didn't go you his have way. To be- you know, he's got two kids and he's like, I'm just trying to find my second wife. It's, you know, people, I'm looking for backpack have... other kid. Fanny pack know. woman or fanny backpack pack kid junior. Backpack adult anyway. woman, please. Thanks. Bye. All right. Let's uh, let's nip this <laughs> button. Move on. <laughs> Dreams. The long awaited first beta has finally begun this week. Media Molecule will finally release the first beta for Dreams, writes Polygon and its upcoming create your own game maker to a select group of users starting this week, December 19th. Subscribers to the studio's newsletter will have first access to the demo while the general public will be able to take part in the beta starting January 8th. The studio held a live stream this week to announce the launch, which it had previously promised would happen before 2018 was up. They're really ha, just squeaking it in, in there. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's still possible to join the Media Molecule mailing list as of now, so PlayStation 4 users excited about the game can get in on the early access period. They'll have until January 21st to check out the creator's mode demo, which will focus solely on the creation aspects of the game. As for Dreams itself, it remains undated. But it is indeed playable, as we discovered at a preview event earlier this year. We've we've played it as well. The game, simply put, is imagination unhinged and in an interactive form. That's a really good way to write that. Uh, good job, Allegra Frank. Uh, we hope to see more of Little Big Planet Studios' latest work. Uh, there was a FAQ that Media Molecule published, so she updated the story, which talks about the beta registration process. For starters, only those who subscribe to the newsletter, as we mentioned, uh, prior to December 7th will qualify for the early access period. So 
Don't get wah, your hopes wah. up. Latecomers and other curious parties can register for the beta on January 4th. Participants will receive codes on January 8th. So if you are interested, you might want to set some calendar reminders for yourself. The beta, however, will come with an NDA or a non-disclosure agreement. So no sharing and no streaming. At least creators are expected to carry over Excuse me, the creations are expected to carry over to the full game whenever it launches. Other types of progress will not be saved, however. So it's happening. It's finally a dreams may become a reality from its (laughs) announcement in 2013. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. It's oh my gosh, was it really that long ago? It was at the PlayStation 4 launch event in New York uh, when Media Molecule came on stage and they did that three person band. It wasn't called, I don't think it was necessarily called Dreams at the time, but they did that three-person band demo where the dude was on the guitar, the lady was on the drums, and then that was that. I'm glad you have this memory. They were using the PlayStation that. Move controllers to, like, sculpt the sculptures and stuff. Yeah, I, mm, I remember yeah. this, because I was like, oh, it's like a, an advanced RPG maker, which is something I really enjoyed back in the day. Obviously, this is much different from that. I from can't wait to now. see you draw us in this game. Oh my god, I'm gonna create a story. I'm gonna make a game about us. <gasps> okay. <gasps> okay. Okay, challenge. Yeah, so ready. Take it. Do and it. You can I think you can import the what's good games theme yes. into yes, the game. You can. Oh my god, it's gonna be so good. It's gonna be yeah, amazing. I'm curious to see how robust these tools are. I'm a little disappointed that they're keeping everything under NDA because I'd like to see how it's yeah. all going and but what it's people not are ready up to. Yet. Give them a break. You know what, Steimer? I'm not going to give them a break. This game has been said to be in beta for like three years. The beta was supposed to come out in 2016. It's true. And now I it's mean, coming it's out in 2019. I mean, it's not easy to build this shit. I think we're ex- we're excited to see what it's <laughs> going to be like. head is tilting so this far This is what over. I come in. This is what I come in to mediate. <laughs> we're just anxious and excited to see these tools in, in form and work and see what people create so we have a better idea of what you can do with this game. Yes. That That's fine. a very lovely way of playing it. Thanks. I do what I can. But no, I, again, like this, this is something I know I just said, I'm going to make a game with us, which is something I would like to do. I just, I don't know if I'm going to have the patience for that with all, you know, the games coming out next year is, do I really want to sit down and learn a whole new tool set? I mean, we did see the last time I saw this game was at PSX last year. Mm-hmm. And they made it look easy, but of course, those were the developers of the game, and they know that game in and out. But it was really cool to see what they could do. I think what I'll do is I'll do the story mode, and then you can tweak that as you go through. That seems like an easy way of going to starting this, but we'll see. We I'm excited to see, see people come need. up with, though. There's some yeah, other people have people. some really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the UGC stuff is going to be the highlight of this game, I think. I feel like from what I've seen of their internal campaign, it's really unique but incredibly short and they're really going to heavily rely on the community to create stories and to play through individual dreams and like the dreams playlists and things like that but who knows what tool sets are actually going to make it into the final build of the game because i feel like that game is just so fluid for lack of a better word that we don't really know what it's going to look like in its final form but maybe 2019 will be the year well it Part of me still thinks they're going to kick it to PS5 launch, but I digress. Next story, Nintendo Switch is on fire, ladies and gentlemen, as the fastest selling U.S. console of this generation. 
Eurogamer writes the Nintendo Switch is the fastest selling video game system in the United States this generation, according to data counter NPD. From launch in March 2017 through November 2018, Nintendo's hybrid console sold more than 8.7 million units. You might remember Nintendo making a similar claim at the very beginning of 2018, but there was a key difference. Back then, Nintendo Switch was declared the fastest selling console in U.S. history. Given Wii was the previous record holder, there's a good chance its sales of that old Nintendo console, which now outpaced Switch, but it's a wonderful success nonetheless. Switch sales boomed towards the tail end of 2018 thanks to the releases of Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Super Mario Party. The two Pokemon games combined to sell 2 million units in the U.S. and Super Mario Party sold 1.4 million. Nintendo's star player, however, has been Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, which was revealed earlier to be the company's fastest-selling game ever in Europe, while the U.S. sold 3 million units in just 11 days. That is very impressive. How many units Nintendo Switch has sold globally is a harder number to come by, mostly because Nintendo hasn't revealed it. In July, the tally was nearly 20 million units, which means it's probably ballooned well past that by now. But how does that stack up to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One? Microsoft, of course, stopped revealing hardware figures a while ago in the face of the PS4's dominance. And Sony's machine, we know, has sold more than 86 million units worldwide. It's unlikely Switch will ever have time to catch up to Sony, with Microsoft already talking about a new generation of Xboxes, and Sony presumably won't be far behind with PS5. Uh, well, congratulations to everybody over at Nintendo. That is an impressive number, to say the least. It is weird how you compare them because it's not a true console race in the sense that Xbox One and PS4 had a couple of years on Nintendo Switch. And like they say here in the article, the odds of Switch actually catching up to PS4 is pretty slim. And we don't even know if they're going to hit their internal sales figure, though they seem confident that they will with the impressive numbers of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Of course, if you guys remember, their internal goal was to hit 40 million units by the end of their fiscal year, which is the end of March 2019. I, of course, don't think they're going to do it because I'm just... (laughs) Call me a Nintendo hater, even though I love Nintendo. No, no. Um, But we don't know how it's selling globally. Correct. I think that's the big that's the big thing here is right. when we were looking at the digging into the numbers, it's clearly having a incredibly successful moment in the United States. And it's going to be interesting to see what it's like worldwide. Steimer, are mm. you surprised by these numbers at all? No. It's a nifty little toy. I like it. <laughs> cool I was just playing mine earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I people th- will I mean, be mad that I just called it a toy, but whatever. Oh no, it is a toy. no, don't get mad, people. There's other things in life to get mad about. That's not one of them. That's true. true. (laughs) Um, No, yeah, like you said, you know, they they wanted to sell 20 million additional units. And I think by the first part of this year, they had only sold five. So the big question was, are they going to be able to ship or sell 15 million units with the remainder of the year? Now, all the analysts are saying they're going to be short by two to three million. Reggie Fizeme, of course, is, you know, confident. And he's like, her, her. Actually, he has a wonderful quote here, which I. Oh, boy, can't wait. Oh, no, it's really good. Okay, here it is. This was asking uh, someone. I don't have that article. What there. voice are we going to get for Reggie? I'm I don't know. Because I, I, I feel like Reggie would be a really good car salesman. And I mean that in the most like complimentary <laughs> way ever. And so I, okay. don't have, I don't have a good Reggie voice. But anyway, he was talking to someone. I think this was Forbes about the Nintendo hitting their sales projections. 
We're feeling confident in our momentum, and it's not just a stellar launch of Pokemon. It's not just what appears to be a stellar launch for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. That Black Friday through Cyber Monday timeframe was critically important to us. The remaining shopping days now through Christmas are critically important to us. More days right after Christmas as consumers receive gift cards, and this is the best part, or take unwanted gifts and monetize into things like Nintendo Switch are important to us. Yes, Reggie. So this is going to be an ongoing effort to make sure that we drive our business forward through the balance of this holiday season but also the first calendar quarter as well so i thought that was just Did he say bowels through the bowels of this holiday season is that what you said balance i hope i said balance if i said bowels <laughs> then that's awkward but i hope i said balance <laughs> shows you balance where my mind is your so yeah so you have same thing balance your bowels ladies and gentlemen it's a great i can speak from experience Take it's a very headaches. healthy very healthy good thing to do with your life um Andrew's gonna choke on her snack pooping is good uh so yeah like all the analysts are saying like I think I saw seven or eight analysts saying, hey, they're not going to make it. They're going to be short by two to three million. It's not the end of the world. That's still really good. I would like to absolutely. be the optimistic Nintendo fan and say, since Smash is absolutely killing it, and clearly, like Reggie said, everyone's going to turn in their unwanted gifts and monetize into Nintendo Switch consoles. I'm going to say they're, <laughs> they're going to hit it. your unwanted gifts and monetize into Nintendo Switch. Yeah. <laughs> Commercial right there, Nintendo. We got you covered. You're fucking welcome. You're fucking welcome. (laughs) There's your extra two to three million units right there. Oh my god, so good. Uh, But yeah, so we'll we'll see. I mean, January they do have new Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe. That's a mouthful coming out. I think that will shift units, but I think the one thing that's going to get them to their goal is Smash. I think that is a system seller for sure. Obviously, yeah. Um, But we'll see. Or they surprise everybody, including me. And drop Animal Crossing in February. Boom, oh my god! Oh my god! Mines would. What are we? What are we getting? They just like on the Beyonce show. that st- that that game. They're just like you know what? It's out. No previews. No re- no trailers. Nothing. It's just Animal go Crossing. Buy it on the you know what right this now. shit is. Here you go. Here's Chrissy. Merry Teigen late Christmas. It. Oh yes. my god! A Chrissy Teigen limited edition Switch. What if she designed one? That would be amazing. Like colors and stuff. I don't yeah. think Nintendo's that in touch with pop culture, no. though. Sadly. No, they're not. Yeah. But that would sell a lot. It would. Good job, Nintendo. Something to think about. Well, congratulations, Nintendo. Crushing it. All right. Speaking <clears throat> of crushing it. Speaking of crushing it, that's a great segue, Steimer. Red Dead Redemption 2 is crushing it. They're beating Black Ops 4 in November 2018 sales. So this write-up also comes from IGN. Call of Duty Black Ops 4 was the month's second best-selling game in the United States, swapping places with Red Dead Redemption 2 from last month. It also remains the best-selling game of the year, meaning its overall sales remain higher than Red Dead Redemption 2. So just to confirm, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, the number one selling game of the year. Exact sales numbers weren't disclosed in the NPD report, so how big the gap is remains unknown. Black Ops 4 did, however, release two weeks ahead of its closest competition. The report did reveal that Red Dead Redemption 2 has already exceeded its predecessor's sales by nearly 40%. We know the original sold over 14 million copies by 2015, meaning its sequel has likely surpassed 20 million units. DICE's Battlefield 5 has come in at third place, followed by Fallout 76, and both Pokemon Let's Go games and three sports titles, NBA 2K19 at 7th, Madden NFL 19 at 8th, and FIFA 19 at 10th. Spyro, the reignited trilogy, glided in at 9th place. Now, those are just for November's numbers, to be clear. 
Mm-hmm. Without digital sales, included Fallout 76's launch month sales trailed both Fallout 4 and Fallout New Vegas. No surprise there. Let's Go Pikachu outsold Let's Go Eevee. Also no surprise there. Though we don't oh, know by what Eevee. margin. Eevee's super cute, but Pikachu's the star of that I franchise. Know. We all know that. Additionally, because these are counted as separate games and Nintendo doesn't post digital sales, we don't know how both combined ranked on the sales chart. The report did note, however, that they are in the second highest in the franchise history, following Pokemon Stadium on the Nintendo 64 from March 2000. (laughs) Wow. The report did not indicate how mainline handheld entries compared in sales. All right. So to recap, the top 10 best-selling games in November... Well, we just recapped it. It's fine. Yeah. You don't need to say that again. It's fine. It's Um, fine. Worth noting, software sales for November 2018 reached $1 billion, which is actually down 15% year-to-date compared to this point in 2017. Though NPD attributes it to the Call of Duty... To the Call of Duty. To the Call of Duty. (laughs) (laughs) To Call of Duty Black Ops 4 launching in October instead of November. Year-to-date, however, software sales exceeded $5.8 billion, a 9% increase over 2017, and the highest year-to-date in software spending since 2011, which reached $7 billion in spending. Hardware sales in November are up 3%, reaching $3.9 billion, and the Nintendo Switch saw quote, significant growth, as we just discussed, in November became the fe- the best-selling hardware platform in dollar sales for the month, while the PS4 remains the best-selling hardware platform year-to-date. I don't think so, video games are going anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no. Most certainly not. <laughs> That's money, 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 money. 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 Um, I, I, I mean, I, this, is, this was predictable, right? Yeah, I guess I'm just out of touch. I mean, I hear no one talking about Battlefield, but I forget how big of a There's fan a, base the, they have. Yeah, those fan bases, they don't necessarily get discussed, but they exist. Yeah, and they are yeah. there just playing their games, enjoying their lives. Also, where do you think Fallout 76 will be next month? Oh, Well, yeah. I think if Bethesda can course correct, they can fix it. Oh, yeah, 100%. But, but. a story that we're actually not going to talk about this week because I just can't be bothered to talk about loot boxes once again oh, is yeah. that there's rumors that there's lunch boxes slash loot boxes coming to Fallout 76 <sighs> and that they're increasing some of the in-game microtransaction prices for things that you can buy. I am just clenching so hard right now for that damn game and Bethesda. <sighs> And it's tough because I know that there's people out there like you, Britt, that have had nothing but a positive experience with the game, that haven't run into game-breaking bugs, that haven't run into connectivity or internet issues. And that's really unfortunate that other people don't get that experience. It's super frustrating as somebody who did have problems when I was playing Fallout 76 to think about the fun that I could be having in that game, but I don't want to waste my time going back to a game that I don't know if they've fixed it all the way or not. And to hear that they're not only not coming out to say, Hey, we are going to overhaul all these systems and fix all the things that are wrong. And this is the key dates, you know, destiny did that with destiny Two. They put out this roadmap. They're like, Hey, we hear you on some of the issues. So we're going to do this, this, and this. And then they laid out like the months that they're going to implement all of these patches. I think Bethesda would really benefit from something like that from their team. If they come out to say, Hey, we hear you. We're going to add this. We're going to change this. We're going to patch in this. 
and this is the loose roadmap that it's coming on in 2019, I think that would go a long way towards mm-hmm. people having more confidence in the game. But this idea that they're not doing that and instead are like, hey, we're just going to ask you for more money in our full price game is kind of like, God, what? Really? That's the road yeah, you're going can down? you not? Can you not? I do feel, and I have a hair in my mouth and it's making talking very awkward, that <laughs> if there is a company that can reverse this shit show eventually i think bethesda can do it i think they just have to play their cards right i feel like they do have such a good rapport with the community and the fans and they're definitely like shooting themselves in the foot right now but they do have that intimacy (laughs) i misheard what you said and it turned into a funnier she thought you said you were shitting yourself in the foot which would be a weird thing to do how would that it even would, be possible? I don't know. I mean, I'm like, it's probably I'm like, possible. I'm trying to stick my foot behind my butt to see if that would work anyway. So, okay. yeah, I feel like Bethesda just has that intimacy with their fans. And just visualize that for a moment, everybody. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, shit. And, like, yeah, I think, you know, I think they will have an E3 press conference in 2019. Or I think they will address this beforehand. I'm assuming they're going to say, hey, we screwed up. Here's more than $5 worth of in-game currency. Maybe here's 50 Maybe here's 100 It doesn't cost us anything. Please go in and enjoy it. And we're sorry. And be sorry forever. Yeah. Anyway, went off on a tangent there. <laughs> be but we'll sorry see. forever. <laughs> yeah, I think they need to do a make good here for everybody and just say, yeah. this wasn't right. We, we can do better. We want to do better. How about we give everybody, you know, like... A thousand atoms or two thousand atoms for the game, not like five dollars worth, but something more substantial, something yeah. like twenty dollars or thirty dollars worth, or put out a piece of content for free instead of charging for it, and just do right by the people who have been supporting you, and you know let them know that you understand that this is a mistake because. I don't think the answer is to attack or shit all over them for this mistake because I think Bethesda game studios has clearly shown that they make great games and people love their games. And someone like Todd Howard is a revered, revered figure in the video games community. And just because they had a misstep here doesn't mean that all games that they're ever going to make in the future right. are going to suck. You know, like yeah. people make mistakes. I just want to see them do right by their community and, and make it right. It would just be a bummer if they made this loot box mistake because this is a mistake other people have made and like learn from mm. other people's mistakes. Oh, maybe boy. you don't need to make them all yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So not to go down that rabbit hole cause we intentionally left it off the docket to not talk about it. <laughs> well, um, so let's talk about a kingdom heart leak. Woo. Kingdom hearts three has officially leaked. That's right. The whole game director, Nomura-san has pleaded for the community to not share spoilers. So this broke really early in the week. This makes me sad. Yeah, yeah. it is. And I found out the, the backstory about how it all happened, which is crazy. Um, more than a month before its launch, several copies of Kingdom Hearts 3 have made it into the wild with screenshots and videos of the game leaking onto social media. Kingdom Hearts 3 director... Oh, and this write-up comes from Polygon, by the way. Tatsuya Nomura responded on Twitter, acknowledging the breach and asking the community to not share any videos or images and to warn one of spoilers. Yesterday, word spread, and yesterday being earlier in the week, a word spread that someone had apparently gotten Xbox One copies of the game from somewhere in its disc printing or distribution system and shared videos of the game booting up in its main menu as proof to potential buyers. So... The uh, completely, like, rumor report gossip that I heard 
was that they got stolen off of a truck. Oh, no. <sighs> Don't Again. know if that's true. <laughs> it's just the gossip on the street. The material was first shared through a since-deleted Facebook Marketplace listing that was quickly picked up by YouTubers intended as a warning to others. The Kingdom Hearts subreddit also swung into action, promising swift post removals and bans for those who post spoilers or participate in their spread. And, of course, Square Enix and Nomura-san formally responded. He promised that Kingdom Hearts 3's epilogue and secret movie will be released to the game after its launch, just in case, as a precaution against spoiling them. So, wait, this what? Is, yeah, it's so not this in is the, the game? Weird, this is the weird part about this story. In a widely seen Twitter thread, someone who saw the Facebook Marketplace listing says that they know the seller, and someone with a history of illegitimate sales got 30 copies through a connection to the game's manufacturing and printing somewhere in North Carolina. The seller's real name is evidently known but has not been shared. It's a matter of when, not if, he will be caught, they said. Potential buyers were told they had to meet the seller in person, and 10 such transactions were said to have taken place before the listing disappeared around noon yesterday. The videos, of course, were meant as proof of the game's authenticity, more than they were attempts to deliberately spoil the story or developments, although gameplay was said to have been shown. Why? Yeah. It's so... I don't know. that. Like, it makes me really sad, especially for this team, because it's taken so long to finally cross this finish line, and they are almost there. To have this happen to them just, like, kind of breaks my heart a bit for them. It breaks my heart, but it also leaves me with questions. The first question I had was, huh, it's odd that the discs of this game would be printed and being distributed when the game's not supposed to be released until January 29th. That's a very long window to hold physical copies of a disc in store, hoping that no one's going to break open the packaging. Generally, that window of time is much shorter. It's closer to two to four weeks than from four to six weeks. Because every maybe with the holidays? I don't know. Yeah, but they're not selling this over the holidays. No, I know. I'm just saying maybe the the holiday manufacturing dates fucked it up. That's what I meant. It's It's possible that that's the case. And that they wanted to get out ahead of the end of the year rush. But with a game that has so much on the line and having Disney on board as a partner and it's been in development for so many years, it seems like that's a really big risk that Square Enix took. So that was kind of like a big flag for me to be like, huh, that's odd that the physical copies of the of the game are already out in the wild this early. The second thing that struck me was why... Did they not include this epilogue and secret movie on the printed version of the disc? Maybe like, they because maybe they leave it off like the because they're making it seem like, oh, we're doing this to protect you. But I'm like, it sounds to me like it wasn't finished by the time the game had to go to print. <laughs> there could be that. And then it could also I mean, it could be a combination of like what we literally just said and that it is a normal longer than normal print time and so they were like well if this does leak we definitely don't want this shit on it so like i don't know maybe that's giving them too much credit but like it could actually have been a thing where they were like well we know we need to print it early because the holidays are coming everything's gonna get fucked up print them but don't put these two things on we can patch that in again right maybe they did not do that but giving them the benefit of the doubt here mm-hmm. that's an interesting thought yeah i have no clue i don't know how this this shit works but Hot damn. That's just going back to the dickweed who did this shit. Like, don't do that. 
I know you're not listening to this podcast, so I'm going I'm to therapeutically <laughs> lecture you. If you are, go turn yourself in. You've done Man, bad no, things. Like you said, it's just it's just so unfortunate. But I mean, it sounds like the community's rallying behind and they're doing a really good job at, you know, warning other Kingdom Hearts fans and protecting their own. Yeah. That's just, this is like the opposite of what happened with me and Persona when Atlas pissed off their community and then they were just posting spoilers all up everywhere because huh? the game had already been out in Japan for like a year. I and remember. Oh, yeah. I got the game spoiled for me before I ever even got a copy of it. Oh, I don't remember that. That's and I was shitty. like, cool. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, Internet. Yeah, because Atlas took this weird hardline stance about YouTube creators and streamers with the game. It was really a head scratcher. We were like, why, Atlas? It doesn't even make they sense. Were, the game's been they out were for enforcing a year. embargo things after the game launched. So there, even after the game launched, they were saying you couldn't play or show up until a particular date or they would ban your channel. It was so dumb. It was wow. like the I was most like, ridiculous thing. Very extreme. Hmm. But yeah. Well, I mean, the good thing about being so ignorant to Kingdom Hearts 3 lore and Kingdom Hearts in general is just I've seen shit and I have no idea what's happening. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. They're cute little characters. And I'm sure the whole entire thing has just been spoiled for me and I don't even know it. That's okay, because I won't remember any of it. Ignorance is bliss in this Absolutely. case. Absolutely. <laughs> That's very true. So I guess just be mindful that there may be spoilers out there if you want to, you know, have a pure playthrough of Kingdom Hearts. Be uh, cautious of what you're clicking on on the internet. All right. So the last thing I want to mention before we take our first break is that we finally have a release date for Life is Strange 2, Episode 2. It is going to launch on January 24th, Square Enix announced this week. To ring in the news, the publisher shared a live-action trailer starring the game's voice actors. But more exciting than this adaptation of a scene from the game is the promise that the new episode will finally reveal how the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit tie into the larger Life is Strange world. So it's said that this is going to be the episode that the Diaz brothers come across Chris, who is the superhero-obsessed boy, also known as Captain Spirit, that we ran into in those awesome adventures. And they didn't go into a lot of details about what's going to happen. And I don't want to spoil anything potentially for anybody, so I'm not going to read the details that they did provide. But just know that if you skipped Captain Spirit, first off, shame on you. It was free. It still is free. You can play it whenever you want. And I need to replay it and see if it has fixed itself. Wait, oh, that's right. Wrong with had it? That, she had that bug or whatever. I had the glitch. bug where I couldn't interact with anything. That's I couldn't right. make a costume. Oh. That's weird. It you was really weird. And it. I thought yeah. I was so confused by it. And I was just like, I didn't realize something was wrong until I talked to both of you. And then I was like, oh, no, something definitely. <laughs> that was a bug. Yeah, definitely go back. I mean, and it's free on, I believe it's iOS, Android, all three consoles. I don't actually is it on switch i think it is and then know. you can also get it on pc um so i mean it's free check it out play it it's short it's only about an hour long and that way you'll be all primed and ready to go for life is strange 2 episode 2 and yes we did not forget spoiler cast is coming we're still deciding if we want to make it one or we want to put one and two together tbd we'll let you know in january um but yeah so mark that in your calendars we're excited for that should be good all right that's going to do it for the news for this week 
We are going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Stay with us. We'll see you in a minute. Welcome back, everybody. It's the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast, and this is where we talk about what we've been playing, our hands-on impressions of some video games. And I think for the first time, all three of us played the same indie game this week. Hell uh, yeah. yeah. Do you believe That's crazy. in miracles? And amazing. So who wants <laughs> to start? Brittany? Steimer? Also, why does it say, fuck you, Brit and Andy, I'm playing Gris, get your own game? <laughs> because Same I wrote here. it in there because it's a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> it says that in the show notes. And then underneath, so I angry. said, is that a promise, Steimer? To which she has, oh yeah, you did respond. I you did, did say confirm yes. that it was a promise. Yes, That's a right. promise. <laughs> you guys uh, are crazy. <laughs> um, so Gris, Gris is a video game that we've been playing. It is. Yeah, I've played, uh, I'm a little over halfway through it's not a super long game uh but it is it's so beautiful and it's exactly kind of what i was looking for in the moment and that it's a quiet game it's a calming game there's not a lot you don't really i mean i haven't died like you don't really die Mm -hmm. you just kind of keep going and it's really just a beautiful chill game it is just a platformer pretty much at its core you get upgraded moves as you go along um but for the most part i like the simplicity of it i think the watercolor art is beautiful and the sounds are really cool. And there's a part where, I don't know, this isn't really spoil, whatever. There's water at some point. When you jump in the water, it mutes the sound out, which is kind of a nice Ooh. touch. So it's kind of like as you plunge into the water, it's like, whoosh. Like, yeah, it's neat. It's really, and the symbolism in this game is incredible. Usually that kind of stuff is lost on me because I just, I kind of zone out. And I try not to think when I'm playing a game like this. Sure. But, um, I'm assuming that this game, I'm mean, only maybe like an hour into it, um, that this game is based off of some form of grief or grieving or something traumatic has happened to this girl. Because just an example, and this is all within the first like 15 minutes of the game, you know, the, you it opens up and is, she's in this hand and the hand crumbles and she falls and she falls and she stands up and then you take control of her. And the only thing you can do is walk. You can't push any other button. If you do, she just collapses. And it's kind of this black and white world. And you, the first thing you unlock in this game is the color red. And, you know, red is a um, color associated anger. with anger, right? Anger and all that bad stuff. And as she's walking, you know, it gets the objects of the scenery around you gets more and more red. And there's this music playing in the background. But every so often you get a wave of a lot of swirling red that makes her immobilized and she can't move. She can't go on. And then that stops and it comes in waves. It kind of has it, even, it like blows you backwards. Yeah, it blows you backwards as anger would. And then eventually, you know, you collect these little lights and you gain this power of fortification where you can slowly but surely march through that. And then it, little things like that that you you pick up on. And you're like, oh, and you can really make it what you want it to be, because I feel like it applies to a lot of different situations, whether you're grieving, mourning, angry about something. I would recommend picking this up because I feel like it will speak to you in a way you might be surprised by yeah, let me read just a little paragraph to give a little bit more context. In Gris, you play as a woman, 
also named Gris, who has lost her voice and with it her agency. Her fears and her pain initially take the shape of a flock of birds that work to harass and punish her. She begins the game terribly weak, unable to even put one foot in front of the other. By the end, though, she's become incredibly mobile and skilled. Hers is a journey to reclaim an intangible inner kind of power. It is a journey towards rediscovering the self towards peace. So that is from Charlie Hall's review over on Polygon. And some of the things that I was looking up, because I didn't know much about this game before I started playing it. I didn't get to preview it at any of the events that it was at, but I heard so many people talking about it. I was like, I have to check this out. And it's about a woman, as they have mentioned, who has suffered this catastrophic event in her life that kind of remains unnamed. She is unvoiced, so there are no VO lines throughout the entire game. There's there are in the beginning. no no there's but there's no dialogue there's no lines. dialogue right yes. like her singing is just sounds it's not words correct um and there is also no enemies to fight there is an antagonist but you don't interact with them directly and so you don't have to worry about dying or or like fighting enemies in this game there's no combat and so it's really more of a gameplay experience than it is a, a true video game in the sense of um, your progression and your kind of movement through the world. You can really take your time and explore if you want to, even though there are certain areas where, you know, you'll be pushed forward for various reasons or another. But the thing that really struck me about this game when I first started playing it was not only is the art style incredibly beautiful and hand-drawn, but the music is so well composed to complement each section of, of gameplay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really agree. good. It's really Hard good. agree definitely. on all the things. Yeah, I definitely would recommend playing it. Like I said, if you're going through some shit in your life, I think, like I said, it'll speak to you in a way that you might be, like like I said, surprised by. It's really good. It was, yeah, it is really good. And, like, there's... It's not really puzzly, but um, you definitely do need to think about how, when you unlock the new moves, how you need to use them in these new spaces. Uh, and there was definitely a part that I did have to look up on the internet because I was, I was overthinking it by a lot. <laughs> But it's a simple game. It's a, so it's a simple game. Keep that in mind if you're like, I'm also stuck. I don't understand. And I'm like, eh, simpler than you think. Like, yeah. But in a good way. I don't think that this is... Um, it's not like a walking sim or whatever. You know, like there's still definitely enough to grab onto here for me to classify it as like a... I don't want to say a real game. That sounds terrible. A platformer, I'm yeah. A real game. yeah. I'm, a real, I'm a real game. But it's not like a Metroidvania. It's not like a runner. I mean, right. it's just a, a very simple platformer at its core. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's beautiful. Check it out. You can play it on Nintendo Switch. It is also on Mac and PC. I have to imagine this game is going to come to Xbox and PS4 at some point. I don't know why they didn't do a simultaneous release, but... Um, it's being developed, or excuse me, it was developed by Nomada Studio and was published by Devolver Digital. Devolver, always publishing those great games. Mm-hmm. Good work. Yeah. Yeah, so there's really not much more to be said about that, unfortunately. Well, it's a short, it's, it's a short-ish game. Yeah. So Not as short as a game like Florence, which no. BT Dubs, if you still haven't played, please play. But um, it's not going to take you like 10 hours to do. But there's a, three I, to four, I haven't a couple, touched on yeah. them, but there are challenges and stuff. I just saw that like the tab there. So I actually don't know what those are like, but um, there's other things to do, it appears. So, Britt, it appears you finally got into some Stardew Valley multiplayer. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. So Was it everything you hoped and dreamed? No. Oh, oh no. shit. 
No, the, game, the multiplayer, multiplayer works great. It's my my multiplayer uh, co-op partner, my husband, Jason Demers. Shout out. Love you, babe. Um, so I, like I've said many times before, love this game. Love this whole farming sim. It's my therapy. It's like what I play when I want to just forget that the world exists sometimes, which isn't often. But, you know, we all have our moments. So I'm like, this is going to be fun, babe. We're going to do chores together and we're going to farm and create a farm together. and It'll be great. Um, and we started playing and then I quickly realized that I don't know if sharing this experience with another person is the best way to play this game. If you're playing it like I do, which is for the escapism and the relaxation, because part of why I would go out the window with someone else. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why this game does make time fly and what you do lose yourself in it is you always have a million different low energy, like easy tasks in your head. Okay, I'm going to try to upgrade my satchel and then I'm going to buy some seeds and then I'm going to go chop some wood and then I'm going to turn in this quest and talk to this person. You're not rushed to do any of these things. It's just constantly swirling in your head and you're eager for that next day so when you can do these tasks that you have lined up. When you are working with someone else on a farm, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go do, I'm going to go talk to these people so I can finish this. Why don't you chop the wood? Well, why do I have to chop the wood? Why do I have to do this? Okay, how much wood do you have? All right, are we going to build a chicken coop? Or are we going to build a farm? Like, a, are we going to get cows first? And working together just kind of takes me out of that Zen zone because now it's more of a collaborative effort rather than just like a one person, like lose myself in a game. And that's not at all what I was expecting. Now, it could be because Jason has nothing to, he knows nothing about these games. And he's being like, he's being really patient. He's trying to get it. Although he does just kind of follow me around and pour the watering can on me all the time. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, Jason. I'm like, why are you doing this, sir? Um, so it would be interesting to play it with you, Steimer, because you know what the hell you're doing. So it probably would be I'm more I'm the of number one waifu. You are. And I do have an extra spot on my farm if you'd like to, to join. I got two yeah, girl. there. Wait, are so, you on Switch? Yeah. Okay, it's only I, have on to, I have to buy it on Switch. Yeah, so the multiplayer is only on PC and Switch right now. Um, not on I only have the game on yet. PC right now. Okay, yeah. So um, if you are playing Stardew Valley multiplayer and you are having a really, really fun, good time with it, please like write us at contact at whatsgoodgames.com because I want to know what why why do you enjoy it so much and what works for you? You know, yeah. But I'm taking a baby steps. You know, last night I taught him how to till the soil and plant seeds and talk to people taught him how to cut down trees and how to turn things into the shipping bin so we'll Did see you teach him how to hold things over his head and give them to people yeah but then he accidentally eats them all oh yeah 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 it happens <laughs> but yeah we'll see we'll we'll see i'm gonna get it because i know if there's one person that i can play a co-op game with and have a really good time with it it's him because, you know, we just work really together. With Damn, like I that. thought you were going to say it's me. And then that took a turn. And now I'm really sad. Don't be oh, sad. Don't be sad. No, it's her husband. Sad. You would hope that so? he would be co-op partner number one. <laughs> Not in a farming <laughs> game. He doesn't even like them. I know he doesn't. He doesn't even go here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's a fair point, Steimer. I, sure. uh, I did not consider... Well, good news. You won't have to fight me for that position. I have no desire to be your farming partner. Sorry. Not sorry. Ouch. Wow. All right. What if like what if you just... Valley in real life, I would farm with you. Okay. But no. I guess that means more to me than it Can we have a what's good garden? Oh. <laughs> yes. I mean, we would probably kill everything in it, but we could try. Uh, no. Yeah. I mean, maybe. But... You got a green thumb? 
I managed to save one of my plants. It was trying to die. It did not good. It was trying to die. <laughs> You're like, not today. I was like, you cannot do this to me. And then it came back. I don't know what happened, but. Did you say that out loud? Apparently, talking to your plants is a thing that actually works. I do Wait, actually what? try to talk to them now. Is it because you breathe on them? And they get all that sweet, sweet CO2? No, they, I, yeah. I Music so. actually does a similar thing. That's fucking freaky. Have you not seen those science fair things? Like middle no. co- middle school science fairs? Like you have the the control plants and then you have the one plant that listens to Beyonce and it grows oh, all better. <laughs> until it morphs into like a fucking Venus flytrap for humans. It's like, where's my Beethoven? And I mean, I don't think you. plants can change species, but yes. Hey, no one, clearly we don't know the effect of music on plants yet. <laughs> Just saying. I think if you raised the Venus flytrap from a baby... You'd be okay. It would love you. It would eat everybody else. That's true. This is so <laughs> sick him. Go sick get that him. person. It's like hey, piranha plant. Like <gasps> it like it would be like That's black widow plant. stuff. Oh. Like you're like, oh, hey, baby, come on over to my house. And then the plant just eats them. I think that's how piranha plant came to be. Someone played it really, really, really bad music. And then mm. it just like turned into an angry plant. Now it eats everything and spits fireballs out of its mouth. Have neither of you seen Little Shop of Horrors? Little no. Shop, Little Shop of Horrors. The musical? Oh, yes. Brittany. Next time you're in town, we will have a movie night. Is this a movie a I need to classic. get drunk for? No. Uh, well, I mean, I mean we're no, gonna, but we will be drunk. drunk. always makes everything better, so why not? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we are always drunk. Oh, alcohol makes everything better i think that was our motto on one of these shows at once oh, upon gosh. a time it's a good motto we're such good role um, models yeah. yeah i know aren't we uh so steimer it looks like you downloaded cattails as you said you were going to do have so, you been enjoying your time uh so Brittany and i played this at the airport um and we were playing together and she was kind of showing me how to you know she's showing me the cat ropes if you will i will but here's the thing i was kind of i kind of bored out of it a little bit it wasn't mm-hmm. it didn't grip me as much as like stardew valley did no definitely a much shallower experience and i too am now like hashtag over it but i did spend a good like 10 hours with it probably it was fun no yeah. maybe not that much more like five to seven ish but uh it's a cute yeah. game and like props to such a small team for making it and i think mm-hmm. the cats are adorable but yeah i think i was just kind of looking for a little bit more to do Mm-hmm. And this game just recently came out, I believe. So hopefully, maybe more content will be added. There'll be more stuff to do, a little bit more depth. But it's yeah, cute. yeah, it is very cute. Well, cute little good. kitty cats. I oh. have been trying to break myself free of Destiny Two. Girl, stop oh, saying that. Just, I love but the you. The is happening right now. It's the holiday event that happens every December, and this year they've added this really silly but fun mechanic where you have to bake cookies for npcs in the world now i want cookies oh yeah wow. there's all kinds of cookies you get to bake in destiny oh, so man. there's a character named eva levante who is kind of a legacy character from destiny and they brought her back to the tower which is the social hub and when you go over to see her and she gives you a cookie oven which is a super random item to get like an easy and- bake oven Yeah, essentially, you hold it in your inventory, and when you're out in the world doing quests and missions, you kill enemies in specific ways, and you get ingredients like taken butter or cabal oil, taken butter, taken or dark ether cane. So, like different types of like baking ingredients, like oil, sugar, butter, etc. 
And then you have to combine them in specific ways to make specific types of cookies. And then each type of cookie you have to deliver to a specific NPC within the world, like one of the quest givers um, in the world. And it's been a whole thing, this quest that I've been on to deliver and bake cookies around the, the universe of Destiny. It's kind of silly, but kind of fun at the same time. They also give you a special sparrow, which is uh, uh, like a mount in the game. It's like a vehicle that you can ride around the world, and it looks like a sleigh. Okay, that's even cool. got like a little like lantern how much on like the a end sleigh? of it. Like they Girl, completely should, reskinned it. Yes, you should. You know what sparrows look like. Yes, I you do. Just Google the sleigh sparrow. Oh my god! Like, what, on your TV? Just or a on your second. TV. On, on your my computer, TV. Let I'm me Google. <laughs> it's really cute, and there's ways to upgrade it. You do have to bake oh, a lot of cookies to upgrade cute. it. That's cute. That is really cute. Yeah, Destiny oh has turned into god. a game. That's baking cookies, beautiful on a sleigh. That's fucking precious. It's really fun to ride the sleigh around. <laughs> it's silly and fun at the same time. Um, but I finally have finished the raid, The Last Wish. Not the new raid, but the technically the old raid. It's not really old, but uh, the What's Good Guardians sherpaed me through. And I'm slowly grinding my way to 600 light level. I'm almost there. And they've put in a lot of really great buffs for people like me who weren't able to do the weeklies and need to do catch up. And so I'm getting a lot more drops and they're happening more often. And it's been, it's been fun. Even though I still have a problem with the way that I look because I constantly am trying to infuse and buy shaders and it's kind of futile because in my quest to raise my light level, I'm having to swap gear and I'm just spending way too much money in Destiny, I always had a problem of having too much glimmer. My glimmer was always maxed out. But now I spend that I spend that glimmer like it's nothing. I'm down to like two thousand glimmer. I got no glimmer left, and the cap is like a hundred. Hey, I got no glimmer left. <laughs> like where's my glimmer? Oh, God. Uh, where is it? I miss it. Oh no! And I'm like, do I have to actually go grind in the world for glimmer? Is this a thing? So it's been um, it's been an adventure, but it's been a lot of fun. And I haven't had this much fun in Destiny for a really long time. And the dawning is great, and you know, playing with the with the clan is awesome. And I just I like it, even though I am I am committed to spending some of this holiday break, um, really steeping myself back into Assassin's Creed because I gotta I gotta see the end of that game. It's gonna happen. Were you ladies surprised by the stat that two thirds of players played as Alexios and only yes, a third played as Cassandra? Yes, I was Cassandra? so bummed. I that mean, was so I'm disappointing. Not because I think of average person. Like it's the same thing as Mass Effect, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. even though you should have played as Femship, most people played as Maleship, and I think people are just like they just they literally go to whatever the default is. Whatever is the first thing that shows up, you hit enter, you go. Hmm. Well, I think that you're right in certain circumstances, but they spent more time than I thought they were going to promoting the dual choice, you know, the binary choice at the start of this game that I would have hoped more people would have taken the time to try Cassandra. But I was listening to Kevin and Greg talk about this, and Kevin said the thing that I say all the time. He's like, I wanted to play a dude. Just like, I want to play a girl. And I know that not everybody has that gendered pick that they want 
to have a good experience. And there's obviously plenty of men out there that play as female characters and plenty of women that play as male characters. I just was hoping that more people were going to give Cassandra a chance because we so rarely get a female starring role like this where the duality is like you can choose one or the other and it's essentially the same experience. Obviously, there's certain narrative things that are tailored for your gender, but there's just not enough games that take that risk. So, yeah, I was, I was bummed. I was shocked and a little bummed. Maybe the fan game will be female only. Then they all have to play as women. You have to do it. You'll I don't think play Ubisoft as a woman. It's good that. for you. <laughs> it's good for you. <laughs> I will, can I just be, do marketing for? Wait, I do, <laughs> but not in that way. No. Stammer commercials. Yeah. Um, Britt, I have to ask you, have you completely abandoned Legend of Soulguard? Yeah. I mean, it's... So I think about it from time to time. <laughs> but... <laughs> I just, I'm like, back in in a like bad way, It's like a friend I think about from time to time, but <laughs> don't like really talk that- to. I think about... It's like, that was really fun for a while. You know, it was fun having the guild and doing the bosses... All of all of us going in on the bosses and doing the little gem caves. I can't remember the names of what everything is anymore because it's been so long. But the treasure caves, the treasure caves, and you know, opened up my daily chests and whatnot. But it just became such a grind that I couldn't even progress in the main story, and I found myself spending too much money because I was having fun. And I was like, "Hey, it's a free to play game. Like, I'm going to give them some of my money." And then I'm like, "Wait, this is too much. I I better just like not do this anymore." So I found myself just doing the daily and the free stuff, you know, that's on a timer and not even trying with the main quest anymore. Uh and so I just kind of bored I got bored of it. And now I'm just like, "I would play this again because I really liked it. It was my first is, is it technically a match 3 game? I don't know what this is called." It's a it's a combo game of it's got match three and RPG and, you know, kind of uh, turn-based elements, mm-hmm. kind of like all mishmashed together. But I like I don't know what a while, I'm stuck back in. They they made some changes that I think are good. And so for people who don't remember, we did a sponsored stream with Legend of Soulguard earlier this year, back in August, where you know they had us play the game for a sponsored stream. And this is how I found out about this game. And I've really been playing it ever since. And I some weeks I play more than others, but they're doing a holiday event right now. And they have this new little creature that's just for the holiday event that's really cool. Kind of OP, but really cool. Um, and I've just been really enjoying it. I find it super relaxing. And what I like about it is that while it is clear that the main campaign has taken a backseat because I hit a really hard difficulty wall. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I clearly just need to grind and upgrade my my creature collection before I go back to the campaign. They've really diversified the other offerings from the treasure caves, as you mentioned. They do um, treasure trolls that pop up from time to time. They've got the underworld arena. They've got the boss arena. They've got the hero arena where you can play like their version of PvP. And there's all of these different things that you can do to earn in-game currency. And just like any other free-to-play game, they do specials from time to time on chests where you can buy them super cheap. Because you're right. like You do hit a wall where you need to upgrade and then you run out of gold or you run out of diamonds and you're like, well, now what do I do? That's do I pay real? Do I pay real world money to progress, or do I just wait it out? 
I mean, and that's obviously a personal choice you have to make, but I'm like you, Britt, that if it's a free-to-play game and I'm enjoying myself, I have no problem paying into the game. And I think that they've kind of lessened the roadblocks a little bit through some of these supplementary events that they run from time to time, but they do really kind of gate you into coming back to the app all the time. That's why I leave the notifications on because then I'm like, oh yeah, let me just click on my free chest, free chest, free chest, and then I'm done. Um, And I'll play Mm -hmm. like for 10 minutes in the morning when I wake up and... You know, I'll play while I'm waiting in line for something or if I'm on a conference call. I'm just like, mm, you know, oh, my God. <laughs> You're like, I am not listening to you. I am playing a video game. I can multitask. Thank you very much. Uh, can you? Yes, I can. Sometimes you have trouble. We this all have trouble. I'm not going to pretend like I'm a perfect <laughs> multitasker. Okay, Steimer? We all are human. Well, we maybe distracted. I'll make you head of the the guild because I think right now I'm the guild leader and it's if you're still playing it I'll just I'll become the officer I'll take a back well seat. what I really like about the guild is that they've just introduced uh, rewards for donation so before oh. you were like donating your gold and you're like what's this getting me actually what what's the guild get for the gold mm-hmm. and now when you donate gold you get an in game reward that you can use to buy items in the game ah god damn it yeah. now you're like talking me kind of i kind of want to get back into it i'm just saying you could try it if you've got some currency left in your account why not i know because then it, you saw what happened to me in pokemon go i did it's true almost ended up on the streets that's not true that's not that's <laughs> i mean you were literally on true. the streets but that's part of the game yeah <laughs> <laughs> By design, by design, by design. Exactly. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's been fun. And I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, just having some time over the break to play games. I have seen a lot of people post in the Facebook fan page about their holiday plans and what they're going to get into. And I know that a lot of you out there are also looking forward to some time off at the end of the year to play some games. So let us know what you're excited to play. What's in your pile of shame? What are you going to tackle? Another game I am. I have been playing. I didn't haven't played enough of it to really talk about it. But this time of year, I always get the itch for an RPG. So I just started up Pillars of Eternity, which is one of the, the first one or the second one. The first one. Uh, so th- this came out, gosh, twenty fifteen, I think. Could be yeah, right a while ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. And yeah. the new one, Pillars of Eternity two, just came to console. It came actually. It's on PC. I don't think it's on console yet. Oh, uh, maybe it's coming in January. I just got a press release about it. Let me look it up. Yeah. Um. So. So far, I've, I'm having a wonderful time. So obviously, Obsidian just announced Outer Worlds, their new game, um, with with Private Division and Pillars of Eternity. Uh, Pillars of Eternity Two has had a lot of good nods for RPG, a lot of noms and wins for RPG of the year, and that sounds just really good. Two years ago, it was Final Fantasy Fifteen around Christmas. Last year, it was Divinity Original Sin. I was wrapping that up, and then uh, this year, it's Pillars of Eternity. Just something about RPGs and Christmas just goes really well together. Yes, Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire is planning to come to consoles, including Switch, in 2019. Yeah. Yes, it still will. It will be released PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and Xbox One. They don't have a specific date, but they Mm. finally have a port house, Grip Digital, who is going to specialize in porting that game to console. Yeah, it's super duper, like, nerdy, in-depth RPG, CRPG. Like, if, if if you like the gritty shit. This is definitely like the RPG. The, for, I remember trying to play the first one. Yeah. I, I got, I'd say probably under 10 hours just because the way that I was, the party was leveling was not working for me. Mm-hmm. And like, I was finding it really frustrating that like they were all randomly different fucking things and I couldn't seem to get anybody on the same page. And I was like, eh, 
Okay, goodbye. It was too much. I mean, I know that's what it is. It's very much based on Dungeons and Dragons and dice rolls and all that kind of right. thing. But at this point, that's not a thing I have patience for anymore. Yeah, there's definitely it's it's not like, you know, another RPG where you can just pick up and play because you've played them for so long. You kind of know what you're getting. This definitely has a little bit of a learning curve to it if you're not accustomed to CRPGs. So it was a little tiring at first to get through the first like three to four hours because you're learning the mechanics and how the leveling works um, and what all the words mean <laughs> and all the terms mean. But now that I'm kind of past that, I can finally settle into the story and the characters. And so far, it's really fun. I, that's going to be my game over the break. Yeah. I have to finish Red Dead. And then I also do want to go back to Assassin's Creed as well. Oh, my God. Resident Evil 2 next month. Yeah. And then I think what I'm going to do is build my list for next year. Oh, boy. Just be like, here's my schedule for, for <laughs> 2019. As far as I know, obviously, smaller things come out and like you can't plan for those. But mm-hmm. the big ones... Get my release schedule down. Yeah. All right. Well, you think about your schedule, Steimer. While we take a short break, when we come back, we are going to take a look back at some of the biggest stories of 2018. Stick with us, everybody. We will be right back. back everybody it's the final segment of the what's good games podcast and this week we are talking about what happened in 2018 and Brittany, this came in as a dear wgg question did it not it did it came from brandon kg i want to say that's gan but i think he just doesn't want us to fuck his name up anymore so now he's just sorry giving, up, giving us his actual name that makes uh, sense <laughs> He writes, hello, what's good? With this being the last regular WGG podcast of the year, I thought it would be a fun exercise to think back and ask, in your opinion, what was the new story of the year in games? To you, what will 2018 be remembered for? Thanks for taking my question. If you do, and have a happy holidays and fantastic rest of your day. I think for me personally, if we're picking one, as he says, we should do for now, then we can dive into some of the other things that have been listed on various websites um for me it was microsoft this year and i think microsoft really like trying to show up and and take some like ownership back at least in in gamers minds like hey we're here and yes we're taking this seriously and we bought all these studios how many did they buy this year five or six five Five? undead labs playground games compulsion ninja theory and then they have they have obsidian obsidian and then they have their new the initiative initiative. yeah so So, six total so that's a lot five at (laughs) yeah they announced five at e3 but then they remember they had that one slide on stage where they're like this is just the beginning we have all of these other games or these other plans so yeah Um, i would say that's mine too samer i feel like yeah especially i obviously this generation is slowly coming to an end and i think next year it's gonna be really interesting to see what microsoft does and how they redeem themselves every generation you kind of get to start clean right so i think they are taking some great steps here to have a fantastic next gen um cycle and I yeah think we'll it wasn't back. even good sorry i thought you were done with your sentence. i am done i am done oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh- <laughs> Uh, so hostile i know i mean like between game pass where they're like all first party games are going to be in this thing which is crazy 
to them buying everything to them having that granted i've found a little bit weird showcase <laughs> like they're trying to like kind of they're trying to play ball right like they're trying to show up and and show people that they take this seriously and i appreciated that a lot as somebody who as andrea also has mentioned like we played 360 mostly um and mm-hmm. now it has flipped and so i'm super curious to see with next generation if it can flip back um or not but i guess we shall see Project Anaconda. That's their code name for their next console. Oh, Jesus. That's Stick terrible. Yeah, there were a couple code name stories that came out. There wasn't a lot of substantiated stuff, so we just left it off the rundown for news this week. But Anaconda. I think all eyes are on the next generation of Xbox to see what they're going to do because their biggest complaint this entire generation is where are the games? You know, and they keep talking about like, oh, we have this game and this game and this game, but they haven't really had the hits Mm-mm. the way that PlayStation really has this generation Mm-mm. as far as exclusives are concerned. And I would argue that the partner titles have even done better on PlayStation than on Xbox. And I think the sales certainly indicate that as far as global sell through worldwide. I agree that that was a giant story. To me, not the biggest story of the year. Um, I think the biggest story without question was that Sony finally announced that they're willing to come to the table for crossplay. something that people have been asking for for a very long time and that gamers have been clamoring for really since consoles happened, right? This idea that you can own an Xbox or a Nintendo or a PlayStation, but you can all play together in the same multiplayer environment is a really wild idea that they're actually going to make good on. It's certainly been a long road to get here, and we aren't quite there yet. Clearly still in this weird beta phase, only with Fortnite and crossplay. But the promise of what it is going to bring for developers in the future, not just for this generation, but for future generations of consoles and beyond, is a really exciting opportunity. And I think it's something that's long overdue. And I'm not going to lie. I was skeptical. I didn't think this was going to happen this quickly. And then, surprise, Sony finally was like, you know what? We're going to we're gonna move forward and make this happen. But they're not, of- like, promising this for everything. They were, they were like, we'll see. Where we will, again, like you, I think you said it best at the beginning when you're like, we'll show up to the table. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's kind of where we're at. It's, I don't think it's on Sony, though. I think what it is on is on each individual developer to say, do we want to enable crossplay? Does crossplay make yes. sense for our game, for our server setup, for the type of player experience that we're going to bring? And that's not on Sony, right? That's on the people who are making the actual games. And we're seeing people like Epic who are using their power with the Unreal Engine come forward and say, do you want to make your game cross-play? Let us help you make it cross-play. But we also know that there are games that are never going to be cross-play and then it doesn't make sense for them to be cross-play. And that's okay too. But I don't think Sony, once they have the feature set rolled out and it's working as intended i don't know why they would artificially hold anybody back from that i mean people do weird shit all the time (laughs) well that is a true statement no doubt (laughs) but i think i think to me that's one of the biggest totally if not the biggest story of the year also on the heels of psnid name changes that finally happened 
Well, kind of, of. It hasn't happened kind yet. Of, but sort of. I feel like it, that's that's kind yeah. of like both of the Sony stories are like, well, sort of. Like, <laughs> it's like yeah, kind of I almost mean, there. The promise of, of crossplay is huge because eventually I'd like to see games that, you know, make sense. Like Anthem, for example. That would be. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. amazing. And cross progression would be incredible. Right. I think it's we're a ways off, but I'm hoping this is the beginning. And I hope it is a slippery slope that it's kind of like, OK, we're going to do this. Now we're going to do this. And, we're, and then we won't have to worry about this problem. Of like, you know, should we play on PS4 or Xbox One? Well, we want to play it on this console for these reasons, but it makes more sense for you to play it on this console for these reasons. And then it's just, you know, a thing. But uh, that could be a really big first step in 2018 for that. Just like I think with the Microsoft acquisitions. That you mean could in mean, 2019? Yeah. Yeah. In 2019. Just like the Microsoft acquisitions could mean a new future for them as well. But that uh, the only thing is like that's gonna that's gonna take a while to develop. Uh, absolutely, those are yeah. those are seeds that just got planted in that garden. So like they need to be watered. Like they need to be watered belly. and listen to Beyonce, and then they'll be okay. <laughs> listen to Beyonce. Just all plants should get some Beyonce in their lives. Mm-hmm. It'll make the world a better place. Um, another big story that came out this year was the introduction of the Epic Game Store and the Discord Store. Oh, man. So Steam has long been the king of the hill with, you know, good old games coming in in second and then various other platforms. But now we're seeing a couple of really big players coming to the space, most most notably Epic and the Game Store, offering an 88-12 split for developers on their profits versus Valve's 20 to 30% take you know, compared to 12%. And then you've got Discord coming to the table that's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do one better and make it a 90-10 split for developers who publish on our platform. But I think that it's really exciting coming from a free market enterprise country like the United States where we're all about, you know, spurring economic growth and investing in the entrepreneurial spirit and essentially wanting people to be successful. I think it's great that there's other opportunities for developers to publish their games other than Steam. Now, that's not to say that Steam isn't going to remain the king of the hill for the time being. I put out a call on on Games Daily asking for PC users who use Steam a lot to give me their thoughts on what they will be doing with their purchases in regards to the Epic Game Store and Discord and if they would be enough to bring them away from Steam. And so far... It sounds like nobody wants to leave Steam, even though developers who publish their games on the other platforms are going to get a much bigger chunk of the profits. And that really kind of bummed me out. When I, I it's all about convenience, though. And if yes, all no, of your right. things are already there, like, I'm not going to download a new thing, worry about that. My credit card's already here. I get it. Like, and I also, under, I hope that at least some, I mean, I don't know that it will make Steam give a shit whatsoever, or Valve, rather. But it would be nice if just the fact that these other things exist, they also made their deal a little bit better for developers. And we're like, you know what? We actually have enough money. We good. Here's a little bit. They thought that they did that, though, right? Where they said, oh, if a game makes $10 million, we're going to drop our split down. And then if it makes $50 million, we're going to drop the split down even more. And it's like, yeah, but how many games games that make that much money are not the bulk of what's being published on Steam? Yeah. And the sad truth, too, is how many consumers know about the ins and outs of the the revenue split, right? And 
it's not like this is something that's going to be touted all over Steam. Hey, did you know that Discord and Epic Game Store gives more money to the developers? It's like, that's not going to happen. Right, like, and, my dad's not going to know that this is a thing. And he's yeah. not going to find mm-hmm. out. He's just going to continue playing his games on Steam. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, they're like, it's just, as you said earlier, ignorance is bliss. These people yeah. are going to ignorantly download all of their Steam things on sale for $5 during those crazy sales. Never play them. But just have an ever-growing library of Steam games. Mm-hmm. This is also kind of notable. I wouldn't say it's the biggest story, but kind of like, oh, this chapter is closed. Vivendi formally ended their attempt to acquire Ubisoft in March. Hooray! Yay, that saga is over. I feel like every other month or whatever, we'd be, Vivendi acquires more stock in Ubisoft. And so it's the end of the And they're just like, approaching. get away from me. <laughs> yeah. And also, THQ Nordic has been acquiring everyone and their mother. So it's... Not again a huge story, but it's it's interesting to see them acquiring everyone to see like what is this going to turn into in the years to come. What you doing? What you what doing? You doing? What you doing with all them developers and studios, sirs and ma'ams? Yeah. Um, another thing that this Kotaku article has, and I think that it's something as much as we like to make fun of it. Well, we don't make fun of it, but Fortnite this year. It's not really a story per se individually, but like... Well, I think Drake and Ninja's moment was certainly notable, right? Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I just think in general, that game had the most beats throughout the year. Like, it has retained and in fact grown in popularity and in word of mouth and like, everyone is talking about this game. So I just want to give a little hats off to Epic. Yeah, absolutely. Let me do a quick search here for some of their... Um, statistics because they've put out some really impressive statistics though they're not showing all of their cards um, there are some really kind of mind-boggling numbers when we're talking about just how big Fortnite is so <laughs> how big in- is it how big is Fortnite um, oh. back in July of 2018 so this year um, there were, I, I, looking at this thing, the top 10 Fortnite statistics, Fortnite has made over $1 billion since launch. I have no doubt that it's way more than that now. Um, over 125 million people have played Fortnite around the world. Uh, Fortnite made $100 million on iOS in just 90 days. How much has the average player spent on Fortnite? How much do you think it is? Oh, I'm scared. $100? I'm going to say $120.76. $84.67. Price is right rules. I win. Dang it. The average player with over 100 million players. Someone do some quick math. No. Um, (laughs) Okay, hold on. I mean, if it's 100 million, that's easy, right? You just add zeros. Okay, 100 million. (laughs) Fortnite apparently has the most video game uploads on the internet ever that's a lot of money um which is interesting and it's the game of choice for millennials and generation z gamers so we get a lot of parents playing with their kids a lot of older people playing together a lot of younger people playing together and ninja is apparently making over five hundred thousand dollars a month playing Fortnite. that number is definitely bigger now than it was in july i was about to say that might just be like from his general twitch stuff but that's not there's that does not include sponsorships whatsoever yeah, exactly. Apparently, the number of users grew in November to 200 million registered users in uh, November of 2018. Um, so Fortnite's big. It's really big. Yeah. Will it be able to sustain? We'll we find will. out. 
Exactly. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and I see. remember a giant story from earlier in the year, from way in the front of the year. Xbox Game Pass. This was something that we kind of knew that Microsoft was working on, a subscription service. And obviously they've got games with gold. I don't think any of us saw Game Pass in its current form coming. The idea that you could pay $9.99 a month and get access to over 100 games that you can download and play on your Xbox and all of their first-party games coming day and date to Xbox Game Pass. And we saw recently Microsoft recommit to this. And I really hope they expand it further in 2019, not only with their new studios and their new partnerships, but also with their tentpole AAA games like Gears of War 5, which is expected to launch in 2019. And maybe Halo's coming someday. Oh, I I hope so. (laughs) Um, Halo Infinite. But this was a really cool thing that got a lot of gamers really excited and certainly was one of the top news stories in the video game world. And... I would argue that it's been a pretty good success so far. Yeah. Again, like I think they're just gearing up. They're gearing up, man. They're going to have some badass offerings next gen. They are still in this race. They want everybody to know that they are still in this race and they may be done with this leg, but are ramping up for the next one and are like, all right, we lost this event, but we could still do okay next time. But we learned and we implemented some badass things. Well, I actually think it would be quite amusing if they did become the number one console again next generation because then we would have a perfect flip back and forth, back and forth. And I mm. just think that would be funny, personally. That would be I'd be and amused. And there's by Nintendo. It. Nintendo's just off doing its own thing, right? Like Nintendo's not even. Yeah. They're always off doing their own yep. thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're like, we don't need anybody else, we just need Mario. Pikachu, and Smash, Zelda, and Link. Zelda, and Animal Crossing. Not Animal that Crossing. it's any, they don't anywhere near as Crossing. big as the, Animal Crossing is just like extra sugar on top. Our Metroids, Ooh, our Luigi's sprinkles. Mansion. Oh, Luigi's Mansion would be cool. Could be what? I said a Luigi's Mansion could be cool. Oh, it's 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 confirmed. It's a thing coming For next year. Switch. Yeah, Luigi's Huzzah! Mansion three. I saw like the fucking three DS one. I was like, this is dumb. No, I have a little list of. Switch games I'm excited for in 2019. Animal Crossing, Core Pokemon RPG, Metro Prime 4, probably not coming next year. Yoshi's Crafted World, Fire Emblem, Bayonetta 3, hopefully. I, I, I would imagine that I, we'll, we'll find out. And the Luigi's Mansion 3. It's going to be such well, a Well, we're going to do a whole show just yes. on our most anticipated when we come well, back. Well, you got after, a little bit of a preview there, I suppose. After the break. Oh, I have many more. I know. Oh, it's going to You're Brittany. I would expect good. nothing less of you. Um, there's one more thing that I would like to talk about. If you guys think of something else you'd like to discuss, but, um, I think it's worth noting and giving, you know, like a little mini round of applause to hello games comeback with no man's sky next after they had just a horrific launch with mismanaged expectations and abysmal sales. They came back strong and delivered on the promise of what that game was supposed to be. And people loved it. And it's been doing really well, and they've been adding much more content to the game. And I think it's a real redemption story, looking at something that clearly, with the landing, at, you know, when they came out, and now they're like, hey, we're still here, we're still trying to make it happen, we have this robust community of players who have stuck with us, and we're bringing new people in all the time, and this is what happens when a developer can commit to really fulfilling their vision on something where they really had a kind of catastrophic failure at launch. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I haven't heard Snaps. anything really on it. Snap. So I like I said, I tried hopping in, into it for the first time, but it just wasn't my kind of game. But it's good to hear that it's doing well for them. I don't follow the series at all because I just don't care. But good for them. That's good. Good for you guys. <laughs> it's always nice <laughs> like, when like cool story, when a game bro. like that can turn it around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should end on a positive note. Let's, like, that's that was a, good, a positive note. That's what I'm saying. Like, let's, that's, that's what I meant. Oh, you're like, cut it off before it gets bad. Let's not talk <laughs> yes, about all the studios exactly. that I'm scared of what year. someone else might bring up. <laughs> yeah, there's, there are some downers, but you know, that's fine. Let's focus on the, the best things of 2018. Yeah. Exactly. Like Bowsette. One of the oh, highlights. Oh, no. Why did you? Why? We could have had such a lovely ending talking about <laughs> how Hello Games redeemed themselves. And now we have weird cosplay instead. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, we hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode and that you've had a, a lovely 2018. As I mentioned at the top of the show, next week we are off, but we have an episode in the queue for you, our What's Good Game Awards of 2018. We hope you guys enjoy that. Have a wonderful time doing whatever it is you're doing, whether you're traveling, you're visiting your friends, you're staying home, and your family's coming over. If you're just working and making that money, you got that hustle, whatever you're doing at the end of the year, have a good one. Pop some champagne. Toast to 2019 for another fantastic year of video games. And we will see you next year. Oh. Bye, everybody.